Well, hello and welcome. Um, it's good to see you all this morning. We are actually starting a new series on Jonah, so lessons from Jonah. So we're going to be going through the book of Jonah for the next four weeks. It's real easy because we've got four chapters and four weeks. So, uh, so that works out really well. Um, and um, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for all the wonderful things that you've done for us and for the chance that we have to come into your presence and worship you. I ask that you would open our hearts and minds and speak to us and help us to learn what you would have us to learn from Jonah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, there was a little girl who was actually flying on a plane and, you know, probably an area that had three seats. And so she sat next to one of her parents and businessman comes on board and ends up having to sit next to her and he's like oh great and so the little girl's just sitting there with her coloring book coloring away and it was a picture of jonah and the whale you know so she's coloring it and talking and so she gets to talking to the uh, businessman sitting next to her who's agnostic and really didn't believe much about the bible or anything and he's like, well, do you really believe the story that a man could actually be swallowed by a fish or by a whale and it's going on like that, kind of giving her a hard time? She said, well, yeah, I believe it. And she's like, well, how, how do you know it's true? It's like, well, when I get to heaven, I can ask Jonah about it. And so the agnostic businessman sitting there is like, well, what if you get to heaven and Jonah's not there? And the little girl looks at him and says, well, you can ask him. So, <laughs> um, so Jonah lived in about the 8th century BC. So, um, and he's actually mentioned in the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings uh, 14.25, and Rehoboam II discovered the ter- or recovered the territories of Israel between Labo Hamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord God of Israel had promised through, son, or through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer, which is actually close to Nazareth. So, so you've got a Jonah's mentioned in for Second uh, Kings, and Jesus also refers to Jonah uh, in two occasions, and it's basically the same thing. So the, the passage I have here is from Matthew, but it, he talks about him in Matthew twelve twenty eight through forty one, and then in Luke eleven twenty nine through thirty and thirty two. But uh, the, the passage in Matthew, it says, One day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us miraculous signs to prove your authority. And so, kind of a cheap way to say, hey, do something for us. Uh, but Jesus replied, Only an evil and adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. You know, so Jesus is talking about his death, burial, and resurrection uh, with it. And uh, goes on with, The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. So there are a lot of folks that kind of really question Jonah and say, well, that's really not possible and have all kinds of issues. But Jesus, who is God, is mentioning Jonah. You know, so it's like, okay, if, you know, if, if it was just a fairy tale or something like that, don't think Jesus would be mentioning him. 
by name, you know. And so, so we've got enough historical things to say, okay, Jonah was a historical person and this really happened. Uh, if you have any doubts at all, all you have to do is look to the Avengers and Tony Stark even mentions Jonah. So I know that's not near as authoritative as Jesus, but uh, just for you know, folks today, it's like, hey, um, Tony Stark knows who Jonah is. So uh, anyway, so today we're going to look at uh, some of the lessons that we have uh, from Jonah chapter one. And so um, I actually have three things for us. And the first part is listen to God. You know, that seems pretty easy. Uh, you know, it's like should, we all should be able to do it. Uh, Jonah 1.1 says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amtai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So Jonah heard that message from God. We all probably would think, wow, that'd be cool to just hear something from God and and know, yeah, this is what, you know, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, it's actually kind of terrifying to think if we're actually literally hearing from God because Jonah wasn't quite happy with the message he got either. Uh, so Jonah wasn't a prophet and special on his own accord. It wasn't just like, oh, you're the son of Amtai. Guess what? I'm going to start talking to you because I like your dad and everything's cool. No. He sought God. You know, it's like we all have the ability to know what God wants us to do. Um, you know, just a, there are plenty of verses in the Bible about seeking God and listening and obeying and following God. You know, a couple of verses that I have here, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So that's something we can all do. We can all hear God. You know, maybe not verbally or anything, but you know, a lot of times we have that feeling of, well, this is what I need to do, or kind of God's leading me towards this. You know, so we need to listen to God. Um, so back to Jonah and the message that he had. He's supposed to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was about 600 miles northeast of probably Geth Hefer, which is where he was from. Uh, so it's basically uh, it's in the area of Mosul, Iraq today. So it's like they've found this city, and it's like it's, it really is there. Uh, around the time of Jonah, it was actually the largest city in the world. You know, it kind of pales in comparison to Beijing today. But, uh, or Shanghai, some of the other places. But it was, it was the biggest city in the world at that time. And um, eventually, it, was, it ended up being sacked in 612 B.C. So uh, just because it was a big city and everything was wonderful, um, you know, we hear that they repented, but still not entirely. So it, it did lose its place of prominence. Um, so Assyria at that time was, and I had to do a lot of looking at some of this to get it all in line and figure it out, and still still my history is kind of, kind of iffy with it. But um, So you had the northern kingdom, and we to were told in 2 Kings that it was, it was actually expanding, and kind of re they recovered some of their land, so they're doing pretty good about this time. But then 
kind of to the northeast, you've got Assyria that is starting to do, you know, they're starting to grow and really starting to push down. And um, actually, by the end of the 8th century B.C., um, Israel was actually under the control of Assyria. So Assyria eventually comes in and takes them over. So, uh, so Jonah knows what's going on with this, kind of, you know, they probably hear things, and he's kind of concerned about Assyria and not real comfortable with the idea of going to Nineveh. Uh, Assyria was actually kind of considered one of the most barbaric of the ancient empires. Uh, people of captured cities were often or were routinely burned alive, skinned alive, had ears, noses, or hands, or feet chopped off, you know, just to kind of prove a point and everything. So they were, they were not like, hey, you know, we're going to take care of you now. Um, no, it was, it was kind of a, a mean, rough thing. So bottom line, the book of Jonah would have been a lot shorter had Jonah just said, okay, I'm going to follow God, and I'm going to do what he wants me to, so here I go. But no. Uh, Jonah knew enough about Assyria to know that he didn't want to go there. Uh, in today's climate, you know, when you look at every, everything that's going on in the world today, it would almost be like, you know, since Jonah's Jewish, God saying to a Jew, hey, I want you to go to Iran, and I want you to preach to them. Uh, most people would not want to do that. That's, that's, that's not going to work. So Jonah then runs from God. So lesson number two, don't run from God. Um, easier said than done, obviously. But um, bottom line with this is it's much better to be in God's will than on your own. So we've got to remember that. It's much better to be in God's will, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how bad things are. If God is with you and you're following what God wants you to do, that's way better than everything being wonderful and outside of God's will. So we'll continue with Jonah. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from God or to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So Jonah ran from God. You know, Jonah said, hey, I want you to go this way. And he said, no, I'm going that way. So Joppa, or Jaffa as it is, is actually in, you know, basically modern-day Tel Aviv. So <clears throat> he went down to the port. You know, he, he was kind of up here around Nazareth, went down to Tel Aviv, and then bought a ticket to Tarshish. Now, we're really not entirely sure where Tarshish is, but there are two basic thoughts with it. One is Sardinia, which is in Italy, or uh, Tartessos in Spain. So bottom line, he's going as far away, and that was basically kind of the edge of the known world at that time for them. So he's getting as far away as he can because it's like, nope, don't want to do that. Don't want to be here. So... Um, he is running and taking the fastest route that he can. But the thing is, you can't run from God. It just, it just doesn't work that way. So uh, Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10 state, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, or if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So 
Clearly, Jonah didn't pay attention to that psalm um, or didn't know about that psalm at that point because he took off. He's like, I'm headed out. And it's easy for us to sit here today and say, I would never do that. I would never run from God. If God gave me a message and God wanted me to do something and said, I want you to go to Springfield or something like that. I, you know, it's not like, oh, well, I'm going to go this way. You know, it's like, no, I'd, I'd, I'd believe what God wants me to do. But um, yeah, it's, it's easy for us to point our fingers at him, but we are like Jonah. Um, one of the best sayings I heard from a pastor when he was preaching on this, he said, oh, we would never be like Jonah. We would never do this. And then he went on to say, she's not a Christian, but she's really pretty. And it's a lot easier to become a Christian than it is to become really pretty. <laughs> so, so you know we have that mindset you know we we put our own little spin on things and run from what god wants us to do um so jonah runs from god but god doesn't let him off the hook you know he's he's down in the ship and he takes off the problem with how he runs from god and everything is he has total disregard for anybody else uh, one of the next things we need to be able to learn is to care for others. Because with Jonah, with running from God, he didn't care what happened to anybody else as he was trying to get away from God. It was just, no, I'm doing my thing. I'm getting out of here. So we'll go on and read the rest of the chapter here. It says, But the Lord hurled down powerful wind from over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods, for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots, or the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running, from, running away from the Lord. Oh, what did you do? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Throw me in the sea, Jonah said, and that will, or then it will become calm again. I know it, this, is, this terrible storm is my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get, to this, uh, get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. They cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, O Lord, they pleaded, please don't make us die, or please don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at, storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So we see from the rest of the passage, Jonah was more concerned about himself than anybody else. 
Um, you know, and it's and it's kind of funny because he's asleep while all this is going on. Um, the sailors were concerned about dying because of the situation that don't Jonah put them in. You know, and had you know they they could have died had Jonah not been uh, brought aware of it and said, "Okay, yeah, it's my fault." Um, <clears throat> while Jonah really didn't witness to the sailors. Um, they definitely saw God's power, you know, and you see at the end that they're like, hey, um, we're going to we're going to start worshiping God. We're going to we're going to follow what he has to say. Um, so, you know, Jonah is only concerned about himself. Now, sailing at that time was a lot different than what we think of. Usually when we think of sailing, we we go directly from point A to point B, you know, or you know, follow certain certain channels and everything with it but at that time they would usually just kind of hug the coast they would never stay they would never go outside of eyesight of the of land and ironically most sailors until modern times didn't know how to swim because it's like you just didn't want to get in the water uh, now the navy requires has swim quals that you have to have to be able to swim to to do it but um kind of and sailors are typically pretty um superstitious and one of the uh, one of the things with uh sailors a lot of times if you ever see somebody with a tattoo of a pig on one foot and a chicken on the other foot th- that's that was a common thing for sailors in the past because uh and it would usually be sailors that didn't know how to swim but back in the day whenever they would come upon a shipwreck or something usually you would find pigs and chickens floating in wooden crates but the rest of the ship was gone and so if somebody didn't know how to how to swim it's like okay i'm getting a pig and a chicken tattooed on my feet so um i'm going to be okay if something happens so um they couldn't swim and uh so when everything starts going bad uh they start casting they cast lots now last week paul talked about cast paul talked about casting lots and that it's not a bad thing. It was it was a really divine thing. It was not just chance or anything like that. And uh, so it was, and it identified Jonah. It's almost like you y'all remember those magic eight balls. You know, you kind of have it ask a question. It's usually yes no answers. But you know, some of the things you'd get from it is it is certain, or reply hazy, or try again don't count on it you know something like that so with this it's like they turn it over and the little thing comes up and says jonah you know so it's very obvious that it's like okay it's jonah's fault um and ironically while all this is going on he is asleep so if you've ever been at sea when it's rough um kind of hard to sleep or even even on a lake when it's um but you know two people mentioned in the bible that are able to sleep in a storm jonah and jesus so jesus was sleeping in a storm and the disciples were terrified and um jesus got up and called the storm so um so once everybody realizes okay it's jonah's fault there's nothing we can do we're going to die if we don't do this and they they even say you know please please forgive us um you know for what we're doing and they throw him overboard immediately it became calm 
you know, so it's like two things with it. It's like the storm just popped up out of no place and then stopped immediately once they, they got him in. So uh, it was definitely a God thing. Um, but Jonah threw everybody under the bus. He didn't care about anyone, and he was just running from God. And so finally, you know, after all that, they throw him overboard, and he was swallowed by a great fish. Now, the, uh, the Hebrew that's used there is daggadal, which means great fish, or in Greek, with some of the stuff that Jesus was talking about with it, um, katai megaloi, which is huge fish. So it doesn't identify what it is. You know, typically we're like, oh, it's a whale. Um, we don't know. And I, I chased a rabbit hole and got into so many different things. Uh, you've got a lot of people that are like, oh, there is no way any fish in the Mediterranean Sea could swallow a person whole. There's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, there's actually uh, an article that was in several newspapers in like 1891 about a, a guy, I think it was Joseph Bartle or something that supposedly was swallowed by a whale and they dug him out later. And you know, a few days later, and he was really messed up for the rest of his life with it. Um, it's like he wouldn't come out of that as a normal human being. Um, but they've kind of disproven some of that. And it's like, you know, a lot of people discredit that story. But regardless with it, it's, you know, I, I think I saw something just like about three years, three years ago, there was a diver that was actually kind of briefly got into the mouth of a whale and, you know, by the time he got out, he was all, you know, bruised and battered and had a couple broken ribs and stuff like that. So um, I don't, you know, it's like, I'm not going to say, oh, it was this, you know, this fish, that fish. Some people say, well, it could have been a great white shark. Um, but it's like, how would you get through all the, the, the teeth? And um, so it's, it is one of those things where you... <laughs> Okay, a Goliath grouper. So, so you know, there, there are lots of possibilities. But the bottom line with all of this is if God could start a storm and stop a storm and do all of these things, don't you think God can provide to get somebody from point A to point B? So, um, so at the end of the day with it, um, like I said, it's, there are all kinds of beliefs with it and everything. But it's God, you know? And so we're, oh, well, that's not possible. There's, there's no way somebody could get through the, the mouth. And if they did, they wouldn't have enough oxygen. And, you know, like I said, I went down a rabbit hole and read all kinds of things. End of the day, I'm going to say it's God. I mean, hey, Tony Stark even knows that about Jonah. So just, just remember that. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, you know, Jonah, you know, Jesus mentioned Jonah. So, um, so there's a lot that we can learn from Jonah. You know, we, we have our struggles. We have the things where it's like, okay, we can learn so much from him. There's, you know, some of the things today we've talked about are, you know, listen to God, seek God. You know, that's something important for all of us. You know, even if you're like, well, you know, God's never going to call me to go talk to uh, people in whatever country or something. Maybe, maybe not. But if God wants you to, probably ought to listen. Um, but, you know, we need to seek God. We need to run to God and not run from God. 
And again, like I said, you know, that's, that's so many things in our lives where we're like, oh, I, I wouldn't run from God like that. But no, we do it. We do it all the time when we think, well, I really should do this, but I don't want to. God, want, I, I feel like God wants me to talk to that person, but I'm not comfortable doing it. I'm, you know, um, stop running. Um, and then the last thing is caring for others. That should be an easy thing, but we can get so self-centered and so concerned about ourselves that we don't look about look at the people around us. But God wants us to care for others. And the cool thing, and we're going to learn this through the story, that God cared about the Assyrians. They were not God's people, but God cared about them and sent Jonah to try to talk to them. So, um, you know, Jonah had a lot of highs and lows in his life. Um, you know, when... The fact that in Second Kings, when he prophesied that the, the they would re, uh, reclaim some of the land that they had lost, probably most people in the northern kingdom in Israel liked him because it's like, man, this guy's good. You know, he said we're going to get this, and we did. Yeah, um, it wasn't a doom and gloom sort of thing. So, so he was loved there. Probably, you know, not loved so much in Assyria. In Nineveh, but um, you know, we all have our highs and lows. We all have those things that we can look at and say, "Yeah, God is present in my life. God has worked through this. God brought me through this." But then we also have those times that we fail God. So we need to be able to to look at that and make a difference with it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. I thank you for Jonah for the, the story that we have and for the uh, example that he has been. Um, I thank you that so much that you are able to use us even through our failures and that you love us and care for us. And I pray that we would truly seek you. Help us to run to you and not from you and help us to care for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as our folks are coming up, I'd just like to give you the opportunity today that uh, maybe you have a decision that you need to make. Um, maybe you've been running from God and you need to stop that. Maybe you need to, uh, uh, you're tired of running. Maybe you need to talk to me or if you need to pray. If there's something you have that you feel like God wants you to do, you can come up here and pray. You can pray with me. But if you have something that you need to do, you know, please don't run from God.